Well, good morning, Incarnation. Good morning. I'm glad to be here again with y'all on this morning. Excuse my voice cracking. It's just probably going to happen throughout today. <laughs> um, we're continuing in our gospel series of John on a passage that really does lay heavily on my heart. This is one teaching from Jesus that I deem as essential. The fact that he alone is the good shepherd. Mm. He is not one of many. He is the only one mm. who is good. There is not another like him. And his call to us here and now is to know that following him, putting your trust and your faith in him alone, is the best path that you can take in your life mm. and the only life that is worth living. So church, you who have ears to hear and minds to understand, listen to the word this morning as we turn back into John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21 on page 896 of your pew Bibles and explore the love of God and his claim that he is the good shepherd. Continuing on from Pastor John's sermon from last Sunday, we see that Jesus has done that which has not been done before. He opened the eyes of a man born blind. This has set the area Jesus was in currently into contention. Some, as the former blind man, saw this as an act of God, while others, such as the religious leaders of the day, saw this as a threat upon their structure and order. Jesus. The man they claimed was not from God, had just done a work that only the one who comes from God was prophesied to be able to do. Mm. This leaves the people in a conundrum, a true place of confusion. Whom should we listen to? Mm. Should we listen to our leaders, those whom we have trusted for years and claim full understanding of the scriptures? Why would they attempt to claim that this miraculous work wasn't truly of God. Aren't they the leaders of God? Yet they refute what we know to only be capable by one who was sent from our Heavenly Father. Mm. Jesus recognizes this contention, which brings us to the beginning of this chapter, where Jesus decides to clarify why his works stand contrary to their leaders' opinions. Mm and the impact of them trusting his instruction rather than that of those who reject him. Within his clarification, there are three points that we'll be focused on in our time together this morning. How one enters into Jesus' sheepfold, the necessity of rejecting the thieves, robbers, and hired hands, and finally, how Jesus is our good shepherd. So here in the beginning of this chapter, we see Jesus painting a beautiful picture of his relationship with those who follow him, while also calling out any who would claim to be a good voice but speak contrary to his word. His presentation, just plain and simple, a rectangular walk raw with one entryway within where the sheep would reside and laid out before that sheep pulled every evening would be the shepherd. That is where he would sleep. He would serve as both the gate and the door for the sheep so that he could protect them from wild animals. And so that if anybody wanted to come in, they would have to speak with him first. The only way in and out would be 
through him. The shepherd was the sheep's protector. He was their guide and their supervision. His job was to provide for them by leading them to good pastures and good waters, while also protecting them from any that would harm them. The shepherd's voice was the only voice that the sheep would recognize and respond to. They were in a wonderful state, the sheep, but also a precarious one because they were in full dependence upon their shepherd. His role was one that was all-encompassing for them. If he did not fulfill his role for the sheep, they would likely starve and die or be taken away by thieves or ravaged by predators. The, shepherd, the sheep needed their shepherd. Jesus understood the depth of dependence that sheep have upon their shepherd, which is why he used it as an analogy to describe those who belong to God. Look to verses 3 through 5. To him, the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is saying that the children of God, those who belong to the Father, will recognize his voice and will not follow after anything that contradicts it. But Jesus doesn't blame the people here in this passage for their confusion, as he knows why they don't yet recognize who he is. They've been under the supervision of hired hands. They've been under the leadership of those who would not truly protect and provide, those who were more interested in fulfilling their own purposes and desires than truly caring well for those who were underneath their stewardship. This was prophesied long ago by the prophet Jeremiah, where in chapter 23 of his book, the Lord spoke through him about the plight of his people. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. The people of Israel had consistently been underneath bad leadership, that when the one who had made them was now standing in flesh before them, they did not even have eyes to see and recognize that it was God with them. And so Jesus saw their lack of understanding, and he did not condemn them for it but instead brought clarification. Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find good pasture. For the kingdom of Israel and for the kingdom of God Jesus is the door. He is the one who is laid out at the entryway to protect the sheep, 
And if one desires to enter into his fold, they must come through him first, through their belief in what he has done for them. He is the only way into God's sheepfold because he is the son of God. This is a strong claim that Jesus is making here in this passage. One that many try again and again to refute, which brings me to the second point that I want us to focus in today, which is the necessity of rejecting the thieves, robbers, and hired hands. As we heard last week, we see that the religious leaders were adamantly trying to convince the people that Jesus was not of God. They would cast out those who proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah and even reject the joyful testimony of a man who had been born blind, now being able to see. What would cause men to see the miraculous works of God, the manifestation of his son in the flesh, and continually reject him and call others to do the same? It could only be the spirit that was at work within them that stood in opposition to God. Read verse 10 with me. The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Anything and anybody that is attempting to lead people away from the Son of God is attempting to steal, to kill, and to destroy them. They are not leading you into anything good. Nothing they have is beneficial for you, for their aim is to lead you away from the author of life. This was true for the Israelites 2,000 years ago, and it still holds true for us all today. We see this time and time again amongst influential leaders, influential voices of our day and age. Those who see the needs of the people and look to see how they can use these needs to benefit themselves while taking advantage of those who are vulnerable. They present a facade, a vision that may look good and beneficial at first, but once you begin to follow, all it does is lead you into death and despair. Take, for example, a man who skyrocketed to fame and popularity among young men when he saw how they were struggling, struggling with their self-worth, struggling with their identity, and he recognized that he could aim to motivate them. And so he went to social media. He went and pro produced content that helped them build up their character build up their morals, work hard, be a man of good physical stature, establish good goals and vision for your future. But as his influence grew and as his doctrine was spread, all we began to see intertwined into each and every single one of his messages was his misogynistic, hateful mindsets and speech towards women, a push for men to attend his university, his teachings, that only taught them that which was evil and detrimental into their souls, but funded his extravagant, sinful lifestyle. And it ended, so unfortunately, in a scandal revolving his arrest due to him being a man who trafficked women. 
for others to take advantage of. And so what we saw at first was something that looked good, something that looked beneficial. But all it did was breed a cult of young men who held hatred in their hearts towards those God called them to love. This man was a hired hand who cared nothing for the sheep. Well, what of the politicians, those who come into the realm of government preaching plans of grandeur and social change, but really care nothing for the people whom they govern? They shame and demonize anyone who disagrees with them and set groups of people against each other if they calculate it will benefit them. They, that in their thirst for power and control, forsake what it truly means to lead. They sacrifice nothing, but they leave those they were called to serve dissatisfied and disillusioned, no longer trusting their structures of government and leadership, not desiring to put their faith in leaders again. They are hired hands who care nothing for the sheep. Or what of the social media influencers and advocates who push for the sexual liberation of our young people, claiming that their desire to fulfill every fantasy, every whim of their flesh will lead to a satisfied life. That those momentary pleasures that stand in contradiction to the Lord's instruction for our bodies will end in something that is good for us. The lies that pornography and satisfying yourself are what is necessary for your walk. That having multiple sexual partners is expected what is normal of your life. That that is freedom to live in sexual exploitation without consequence. But such lies do not hold you in the pain then of your mind being impure. Such lies do not hold you in the pain of your marriage being broken, your relationships being skewed off of your mind not being able to look right. It does not hold the young woman who lost her child due to being taught that she needed to keep her autonomy in the face of what could have been a blessing. Those lies will not comfort you for they are hired hands who do not care for the sheep. All the lies of the enemy, all the manipulation and false promises that look appealing, but they are meant to leave you empty because the enemy uses them to steal and kill and destroy all that God has in store for you. The Apostle Paul laid this out with clarity in Ephesians chapter 2. And you who were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He's laying out clearly that there are only two spiritual influences upon you in this world that it is he who is the prince of demons, or it is he who is God. It is the thief, or it is the good shepherd. We have an enemy who works in numerous ways to steal, kill, and destroy us. Church, this goes for the saved and the unsaved. This goes for those who are in the fold and those who are still outside of it. 
The enemy desires to keep you far from God and from following his instructions. For he knows that in Jesus is life and life more abundant. He's been attempting to lure people away from the Father since the beginning, tricking even even Adam in the garden with the lie that self-sufficiency would make them like God. For he knew that that lie, if it became their focus, would distract them from the life giver. Remember the portrait that Jesus paints here in this passage. How entirely dependent the sheep are upon their shepherd. They look to him for everything, from instruction on where to rest to protection from their predators. That is the dependence that we need upon the Lord. He is our guide and our salvation. And we must reject all other teachings that deviate from his word. We young men must reject the misogynistic principles pushed by this world and its role models and walk in humility and gentleness, recognizing that being a man is not making a woman subservient unto you. It is loving them as you do your own mother and sister, viewing them in all purity and protecting them with your life. We must, as a people, reject nationalistic teachings that pit us against one another, divisive language that puts up barriers, and walk in the understanding that we are first citizens of heaven, sent to do the reconciling work of our heavenly Father. He who has broken down the walls of, his, of hostility and made us one people underneath the blood of his son Jesus. We must reject the ideology, ideologies of self-adoration and fulfillment and trust that our bodies are made for our Father, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, and that sexual love finds its fulfillment not in our whims, not in our lusts, but in what God has ordained as pure, as right, and as holy. We must reject the self-centered and self-assuring instruction of this world that screams trust yourself rather than trust in God and apply dependence upon the only one that is good. Which brings me to my third and final point, that Jesus is the good shepherd. It is he who said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. It is he that said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. It is he that says, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. For Jesus' words and actions are as the prophets prophesied long ago. He is, as Jeremiah said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jesus is, as Ezekiel declared, thus saith the Lord, I myself 
will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. It is our Lord God who came down and put on flesh. And it is he who has brought back his own sheep and calls them home by name. That is the weight of Jesus' proclamation. When he says that he is the good shepherd, he means that he is the great I am, that he is the everlasting king. And the work that he is doing, the miracles being performed by his hand, the instruction given by his mouth is but by the mouth and hand of God. It is a proclamation of his divinity. Hallelujah, and a clear explanation of his love. But he would not leave his sheep to worry. Jesus, he would not leave them lost and afraid. But instead, he humbled himself and made a way for them to come back unto him. He laid down his life so that we could enter into his food. And he took it up again so that he could keep us with him. That when the enemy comes looking upon whom he can snatch and feed upon, he finds that they are not defenseless, that they are never alone, but that instead the king of kings guards the king. That the Lord of all stands there at attention, ready to defend us with his life so that we may never be far from him again. That is the love of God towards his people. He loves each and every single one of you to that degree that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We've seen the love of God be made known and manifest every day. I see it when the children hurry to dive into the word of that which protects them. I see it when my friends get free of sin and leave the bondage that the world places on them. I see it when college students come together, rejecting the ways of this world and instead partaking in the fellowship of studying God's word alongside one another. And I've seen it in my own life. Hallelujah, when I look back over all that God has taken me through. I see it, hallelujah, even in my times of struggle. When my selfishness overtakes my servitude, when my lust attempts to blind me from love and purity, I get to thank God that I can look back and say I'm not yet where I'm going to be. But I'm not where I used to be. I see the love of God manifest, and my soul sings in response that he is worthy 
that he is glorious, that he is mighty, that he is the only one deserving of all of my adoration, all of my praise, for he is good. And so my call to all of us here is run to the voice of the good shepherd. Come underneath his gentle hands and let him fulfill the role that he established for himself in your life so that he may lead you in the way everlasting. Amen.